Hey, it's Lisa. This episode of the REIT Search Podcast is sponsored by my Credible Health Bug Shop. If you're a nutritionist, dietitian, fit pro, or health coach, the shop contains a ton of done-for-you content to save you time and fill your digital marketing calendar. Every piece of content in the shop is pre-written, well-researched, expertly edited, and limited edition. As a health pro, you could choose from either long form or mini articles in your field of interest and use them to stay in touch with your audience without having to do the research and content creation yourself. Simply customize and paste them into your blog, email software, or social media platform and hit publish. To check out the Credible Health Blog Shop, visit my website at lisacleach.com. That's L-E-E-S-A-K-L-I-C-H. Research is a podcast that explores current nutritional research and health studies. Our lawyer says we have to let you know that this podcast is for entertainment, educational, and informative purposes only. If you have any health questions, see your doctor or licensed health professional. So now we've heard about epidemics and pandemics, but there's a new word that's been making rounds the last few months, and that is called an infodemic. So today we'll talk about misinformation, we'll talk about how to recognize it and stop it in its tracks, and the study that we're going to talk about today, here's a quote from the researchers. They say, quote, we present evidence that people share false claims about COVID-19 partly because they simply fail to think sufficiently about whether or not the content is accurate when deciding what to share, end quote. So that's today's topic. I think this is going to be a good one. Okay. <laughs> Yay. So the study itself is called Fighting COVID-19 Misinformation on Social Media, Experimental Evidence for a Scalable Accuracy Nudge Intervention. And it was just published in June, June 30th, 2020. So it is pretty recent. Well, there's never been a time that needs it more. That's for sure. Exactly. <laughs> like this is so, it's, and it's really cool that they're actually looking into it because some of the stuff in here is going to be like a aha moment, but some of it, everyone's going to be like, yeah, we already knew that was going to happen, mm-hmm. but now we have data. So not only do we think and know it's going to happen, we have proof. So this is, this is a great opportunity. Um, One of the things I like about this is it's an international collaboration between two universities in two different countries. So it's um, mixed with uh, University of Regina right here in Canada. Canada. And I know, I know, great researchers here. And MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology in the U.S. So we have an international collaboration of two universities, which is one reason why I like to study. Yes. So um, when it comes to COVID-19, There is so much information out there that everybody's confused. And I'm not just talking about everybody. I mean, everybody like researchers are online critiquing each other's studies. I'm trying to follow credible people. We have information about masks that's been changing over the last few months. This is legit confusion. Every time I go online, it's like, we should be doing this, but she said we shouldn't do this. But what about this? We're finding this. And I'm following researchers and they're critiquing online. And it's like, oh my gosh, I get it. I think like you mentioned, just the main one is the mask issue. Because even at the beginning, it was such a gong show. Right. 
because it was like they didn't know whether masks were going to help and maybe they were maybe they aren't what about cloth masks and like what about so many people touching it what about like all these different it was back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and now the evidence is quite clear masks help but because there was so much confusion at the beginning we still get these naysayers that are that just don't believe still even though we have a lot more evidence to back it up um so that's the best one right now that i can think of and i mean even still whenever i go on social media the debate is just ridiculous when when you see how passionate like it's become a political stance which it shouldn't be really it just comes down to the, the science it's, it's and, and the science has been evolving, and I think that's part of what makes things so confusing. Yeah. Because this is a novel virus, and we really didn't know very much about it at all. And no. as more and more studies, like this is record-breaking, numbers of studies coming out, you know, yeah. we're kind of refining, and all of this gray area is becoming really clear in certain points, and it's all happening over time, and it's all happening in public view. Like, we both know that this happens in science yeah. all the time on every topic. Like, it's messy. We need to make sense of it. There isn't a black and white, yes and no, hundred and zero. It's all about taking all of this gray and putting it together. And that is exactly what we're going to talk about with this study. Yeah. The amount of research is amazing. The behind the scenes work is amazing and it is amazingly confusing. <laughs> well, it is. And I think what's really cool is the public is now finally starting to understand why science is such a collaboration and why it's such a long process. You know, it's not clear cut. It's not something where people need to do a study and then you're going to get the results published the next day. I mean, COVID has really sped up the process. But it's still a complicated multi-step process that has to be followed. And so you can't just jump on stuff right away and just think like, oh my God, this is so true. When you go back and look at some of the retracted articles, the, the list is huge when it comes to COVID. So we need to remember that, you know, scientists and researchers need the time to do it properly or we are going to get the wrong information. Um, and so you can't just jump on stuff right away. You need to be patient. But of course, people are not in a situation like this. Right. And when we learn science, when we're doing grade 10 experiments, and you can see the pH, you know, color change of something right away, and it looks like everything is clear, it, you know, it goes from, you know, red to blue or whatever happens. It looks like science is simple when really we're just doing the very simple things when we're in school. Like when mm -hmm. you get out and you're doing research, especially with people, it gets really complicated and long. Yes. So I'm so glad you brought that up. So I'll dive back into the infodemic. And this word actually was coined from what I understood in my research by Dr. Tedros at the WHO. Um, and this was back in February where he was talking about an infodemic, which is like an epidemic or even bigger global pandemic of fake news mm -hmm. that spreads faster and more easily than the virus. So talking about fake news in general, studies have shown, and, and we all know that a lot of political misinformation has been going around for years. And there's a really cool study also done by MIT on political misinformation a few years ago. But with this particular study that we're going to talk about today goes into is specifically COVID-19 information. Mm -hmm. By misinformation, it's the whole concept of it is like, it's fake. It's not true. It is 
demonstrably false. Yeah. And again, it's not just, it's a hundred percent false or a hundred percent true. There's kind of gray areas within it. So in one element you could have, for example, just to illustrate how, um, the different shades of gray of misinformation is you have on one end, you have satire, you have parody, you have somebody making a mistake. You have this, there's no intention to deceive. There's no, you know, mal uh, intent. It's all about, you know, a misinformation, misunderstanding, or it's made to be a joke. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine that on the other end is stuff that is legitimately, it's fabricated with the full intention of dividing people and stoking fears and you have this whole area in between of all these it's getting worse and worse and worse until it gets to be like it's it's literally made up in some bot farm somewhere anywhere yeah um so again we're not talking black and white we're talking about something that is false but it could be a mistake it could be misrepresented could be misunderstood or it could be like legit not cool Mm-hmm. So some examples for COVID-19 are um, that it's a hoax altogether. Like this, um, I think, has kind of died down over the last several months. But that was one of the initial yeah. misinformation that we're just making this up for whatever. I think that was one of the scariest ones. Like yeah. this whole thing is made up. And, right. you know, the, unfortunately, a lot of people are dying. And right. so it, it can be dangerous for, for a lot of vulnerable communities out there. Totally, totally. That that was definitely misinformation. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that's gone. Um, but also things like whether it's a bioweapon, which it's not. Um, and this is a whole another episode if we want to get into it. Um, yep. I've seen things for sale. Have you seen this little battery operated device that you can hang around your neck like on a string? And it says that it will protect you and the air you breathe from the virus. Have you seen this? I haven't seen that, but I've seen little personal air purifiers and stuff like that, which I think, I don't know, personally, I think it's ridiculous. I haven't really looked too much into it. There's so many other better ways to protect yourself. It right. seems like a waste of money. Right, right. A lot of these are people trying to sell stuff. Yeah. Right? Either prevention, so people don't get it, or they're trying to sell cures, which we literally don't have. Like, mm-hmm. scientists have been working on cures for months and we're getting closer in a lot of different areas, but some things that were touted as cures are not. Mm-hmm. And a whole bunch of things are being touted as cures now that are not very likely to succeed. But either way, there is not sufficient evidence. There is no cure right now. Well, I think it really comes down to people are scared and they, they right. want to find ways to protect themselves and they're willing yes. to shell out money for it. And then, of course, on the flip side, you have people that are out trying to monetize on that yes. fear. And so you you need to stop and and use a little bit of logic. And it's, you know, not to say that there isn't some products out there that will help, but definitely think about it first before you just go blindly buying stuff. And I mean, this comes right down to (laughs) what we're here to talk about. I'm so glad you brought that up. Think about your steps. I know. That's exactly the study about how do we stop misinformation. And what it comes down to is just thinking about things for a second because people are smart. They are. This is this another reason why I like this study is it's a two part study. Okay. So they looked at they looked at COVID misinformation, like Facebook posts And they found 30 and they asked people, they took a a group of people and they split them into two groups. Therefore, 
it was a controlled study. So you have a control group and you have an experimental group. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they did was they asked people the simple question, to the best of your knowledge, is this claim in the above headline correct? Yes or no? Simple oh. question. So they just showed people 15 fake and 15 true social media posts. By fake as in they're all real social media posts, but they were fake news. Yeah. Random orders to random people who participate in the study, hundreds of them, over 800, and just ask them a simple question. And most people figured it out. Like, people are smart. And most people don't want to share misinformation. Mm -hmm. So this is good news. That's very good news. It's very good news. People are smart and people can figure this out if they were literally just asked to simply just think, does this, is this accurate? Yes or no. So then the other group, what they did was they wanted to know whether or not people are going to be sharing it. Do they intend to share it? So the question they asked this other group was, would you consider sharing this story online? For example, through Facebook or Twitter. Mm -hmm. And what they found in this sharing question was more people are willing to share false information because we never asked them the first question about, do they think it's accurate? So they just react. They don't stop to think before they react. This seems to be a problem in general in society, (laughs) but especially with fake news. That's exactly it. It's very reactionary. It was very just kind of impulsive as opposed to people, if they literally just stop and just think, is this accurate or not? They, they're more likely to understand that it's not versus mm-hmm. if they're going to share, they're more impulsively going to share because they didn't actually think about accuracy. So this is great news. People are smart. They don't want to share false information. So why do they do it? So then the question is, they took a whole similar sized group of people, again, over 800. And one thing to note about studies is they didn't recruit 800 people. They recruited over 1,100 people. And of all those people, 800 were participating in the study. Mm -hmm. So that's another complexity in research is if you want 100 people in your study, you need to recruit more than that because people are either not, they're not going to be the right people. They have some criteria that excludes them. They're going to drop out. Something's going to happen. So getting 800 people means they recruited 1,100. So that's, that's just another little tidbit of how research is done with people. But again, they, they took these people, it, new people, mm-hmm. second study, and they split them into two groups. So again, we have a, an experiment where they're, they're randomizing people into two groups. And the difference here was one of the group was asked the same thing as in the first study. Okay. Would you consider sharing the story online, for example, through Facebook or Twitter? Okay. So then okay. they have the control group. That's the group that did the same thing in both studies. For group two, for the sharing part, not the accuracy part, but the sharing part, they had them do two things. So this was the experiment. They had them first rate the accuracy of a politically neutral, non-COVID-19 headline, right? Okay. Step one was they were shown something that was not political, not about COVID, just say, do you think this is accurate or not? And then... They were shared. So it's a two-step process. One of those 30, or probably all 30 of those COVID um, posts, half were fake and half were real. And instead of saying, would you share this? The question was, if you were to see the above on social media, how likely would you be to share it right from one to six? One being extremely unlikely to share it. Mm -hmm. Six being extremely likely to share it. So here's the difference. 
A, we're nudging them to think about accuracy before. Yeah. And for B, we are only, um, instead of saying, would you share yes or no, we're actually saying, can you take a step back? One to six, how likely are you mm-hmm. to share it? What do you think? Like, I think, do you think really, this would help. I definitely think it would help. Yes. We're just encouraging them to, to put a little bit of thought into the topic before they decide to share or not. And I think when people stop, and this is true for like any situation, when people stop and think a little bit, their actions can drastically change. And I bet that's what we're going to see in this study. That's my guess. (laughs) Oh, it's a hundred percent right. Because people are smart and people don't want to share misinformation. Mm -hmm. So they actually found that by asking that first question, people were almost three times more likely to understand that this was a false or true it was amazing. a big number. That's a big difference. That's it, right. It was the difference between the people who would originally recognize it versus the people who had that nudge mm-hmm. and you recognize it. So the thing is that just by taking that second to think about accuracy, you can do better. Like mm-hmm. you can get it. And that people were less likely to share the false news when they thought about the accuracy and they had to weigh it on a scale of one to six. So it wasn't just yes or no, which is kind of, what do you call it? Impulsive. It wasn't just impulsive. I know I had no impulsion onto what this impulsiveness was. It was actually like, you know, think about, oh, one to six, not just yes or no. Mm -hmm. So basically the results of the study, which is, is fantastic in my opinion, is that just nudging people, just nudging them to think about accuracy Mm -hmm. is a simple way to increase the accuracy of posts that are shared on social media. Yeah, I think that's, that's great. I think what I'm taking away from this article is this is fantastic for COVID right now, because there's so much misinformation. There's so much fear mongering right now. Um, We really need to clarify what's going on. But in general, this is something that people should be doing for everything. There's so much misinformation out there about so many topics. So, you know, don't just read the catchy headline and think, oh my God, I have to share this. Like stop and scan through whatever information it is people are trying to share and take that moment and think, is this true? Is this likely the truth? Is this a scenario that could actually happen in real life before sharing anything so th- this article is pretty awesome actually yeah i was so i was so happy to come across it and it's an actual experiment right like they asked people to do something yeah and then they measured it they didn't just send out surveys it wasn't just observational it was literally think about this and then tell me the answer one of the big implications of a study like this is that on social media again, this has to be tested, but you can apply it and see how it works, Mm -hmm. is just nudging people before the share button, Mm -hmm. maybe have a little, do you think this is accurate button that they Mm -hmm. just have to think about it first. This could possibly be one piece of the puzzle to help reduce misinformation. Again, it's not the black or white. This one thing isn't going to end all of the misinformation, but it is one piece of the puzzle to get people to just think about accuracy before sharing and it looks like it could work i think that this is kind of cool yeah so when it comes to just looking at the strength of this research we'll link in the study notes we're using the scale one to seven about rating the methodology like 
how strong is this type of study? And this one, because it was a randomized controlled trial, is actually rated a six out of seven. And you can see the, the links below. Because what they did was they took people, they randomized them into two different groups. So you didn't kind of choose the group you were in. Yeah. And they had a control in both study one and two where the control just asked about, do you think this is accurate? Mm-hmm. And then they asked a question about sharing. And then the second study, do you think this is accurate? And then they're like, before they asked the question about sharing, they said, do you think this particular non-COVID is accurate? And then asked them to rate it from one to six. So that is what I would rate this study as on that scale. Also, I want to say in terms of funding, there were no conflicts of interest declared. That's good. And by any of the researchers in University of Regina or MIT, and it was funded by a whole bunch of foundations in the U.S., as well as the um, Canadian Institute of Health Research nice. and Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council of Canada. Those so are all looked, good places for money. They're to all come good from. places. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's not funded by industry. Not to say that industry research is always bad, but there is potentially implicit bias in there. Yes. So I think that the takeaway is really just recognizing that social media doesn't have these do you think this is accurate buttons before the share buttons if we just literally spend a second or two to think is this accurate before sharing it Mm -hmm. we can actually increase the accuracy of information on the internet like how cool is that i think that's pretty fantastic because there are some people that just take this misinformation and run with it and if there's less of it circulating then there's less opportunity for that to happen Exactly. And COVID-19 is a huge public health issue now. This has big implications for people who don't believe in it or whatever the misinformation is. This is, this is, could potentially be life and death or permanent, permanent medical problems, even in healthy people. Yeah. If we don't kind of fix this or at least make strides toward improving it. So I'm really happy about this. It brings me hope. And um, to be honest, I'm happy that people can figure out if things are accurate or not, just if they think about it. Like that's, that means that our gut and our brain are kind of, it's kind of cool. Like they work together. Yeah. It's neat that there's no big step or big system that has to be put into place in order for things to get better. All it takes is sharing that one step and then the benefits that come out of it can be so right. big. So right. yeah, definitely share this uh, with friends if you're listening you know, just stop and take a moment to kind of evaluate what information you want to be sharing with the world first. It's, it's so true. Just take that hot second and we'll all be better off. Exactly. And, and, and in fact, one thing that's, that's pretty cool is this research is already being used in one of the social media things that may be showing up in people's feeds and it's called Check First, Share After. Oh and really? Which the whole, social media is it on? It's um it's by Media Smarts, and um it's been shared. You know Tim Caulfield from University of Alberta. Yeah, he is part of this and was talking about if if you just get people to check, either fact check the accuracy, or in this case, even gut check it. Like, does this seem like clickbait? Does this seem sensational? Yeah. Does it seem legit? Take that hot second and then share it. So I'll link to that in the show notes below as well. That's awesome. Cool. 
Thank you for listening. For exploration into more health research, don't forget to subscribe. And we'd like to thank Joseph McDade for the music. If you have any comments, ideas, or recipes to share, you can reach us at ReetSearch on Instagram and Twitter and ReetSearch Podcast on Facebook. That's spelled R-E-A-T Search. Hey, it's Lisa. This episode of the REIT Search Podcast is sponsored by My Credible Health Bug Shop. If you're a nutritionist, dietitian, fit pro, or health coach, the shop contains a ton of done-for-you content to save you time and fill your digital marketing calendar. Every piece of content in the shop is pre-written, well-researched, expertly edited, and limited edition. As a health pro, you could choose from either long form or mini articles in your field of interest and use them to stay in touch with your audience without having to do the research and content creation yourself. Simply customize and paste them into your blog, email software, or social media platform and hit publish. To check out the Credible Health Blog Shop, visit my website at lisacleach.com. That's L-E-E-S-A-K-L-I-C-H dot com.